Hardy, good morning to all of you here. Uh, Pastor Tim, it's good to be with you today for this time of worship and stepping up to the plate to serve God. I got to ask, how many of you have ever read the book, All I Need to Learn or Know, I Learned in Kindergarten? Anybody studying that book? That's an incredible book, isn't it? You know, it's been out, what, 25 plus years ago, maybe 30 and it reminds us of some important things. It transports us back to when we were first born, there in our wee years, and we're taught all those kinds of wonderful things. We're, we're taught and we're reminded in that book about how to fly, and we're taught all kinds of magical and wonderful qualities that are found in a box of crayons. And even in those wonderful games that we like to play at that age, like hide-and-seek, or Duck, Duck, Goose, all of those wonderful things. Well, there's another book that I want to maybe suggest that we ought to write, and that's everything I need to know I learned from Noah. And I want to take you back here um, to the early portion of the Bible where we find the story of Noah here in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9, and we learn some potent lessons out of his life that I think can be very applicable to us here today and in our walk of faith. A lot of different lessons we learn like this. Plan ahead. It wasn't raining when he started to build that ark. Or maybe this lesson. Don't miss the boat. <laughs> Friends, I want to tell you, you better not miss the boat. This is an age of grace and opportunity right now for you to know Jesus Christ. And you need God in your life. And you better not miss the boat. Today is the day of salvation. And I know there's a lot of messages out there that we're all hearing. There's a lot of things out there we're pelted with every day. And with all the misinformation, with all of the quagmire of things happening in our country, in our culture, and around the world, you better not miss the boat. And we're here to distribute the good news of Jesus Christ and to tell you today that you need to get on the boat. You don't want to miss the boat. How about another lesson? Stay fit. When you turn 600 years old, you might be asked to do something big. And isn't it true as you look through history, a lot of people that did great things, they started when they were in the 70s or 80s. God's got something in store for you. Stay fit. Don't listen to the critics. Just do that job that needs to be done. That's a big one. How about we're all in the same boat? Boy, isn't that true? We're all in this together. We're living in a broken world. We're living in such violent times and so many things out there. So much disease and heartache and adversity. But here's one. Remember, the ark was built by amateurs, the Titanic by pros. And was an old Captain Smith that said, even God can't sink the Titanic. <laughs> so we're in this series right now. We're calling it Home Run Life. And we're looking at some of the faithful saints out of the Bible, both those folks in the Old Testament as well as into the New, and how they stepped up to the plate. And you may not crush the ball every time you get up to the left field. You may just hit a bunt. Or you may have an intentional walk. But at least you step up the plate. And you're faithful in life. In fact, in this guy known as Noah, 
The reason he lands in the Hall of Faith chapter, which is one of those great chapters out of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, is because he was obedient unto God. He was faithful in serving the Lord, even with all of the things that were going on in his culture. In fact, the Bible tells us there in Genesis chapter 6 that the world was so wicked and so immoral and there was such terrible things going on that God had to cleanse the earth with a flood. But Noah was available to God and Noah was faithful. I want to read to you a few verses out of the book of Hebrews today. And just to kind of remind you of this great text. So if you have your Bible, take your Bible and join with me and we'll have it on the screen here. Hebrews chapter 11, a few verses of scripture. And this is out of the God's Word translation. That faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. And God accepted our ancestors because of their faith. And faith convinces us that God created the world through his word. And this means that we can be seen, uh, what, what can be seen was made by something that could not be seen. Faith led Abel to offer God a better sacrifice than Cain's sacrifice. And through his faith, Abel received God's approval. And since God accepted his sacrifices, and through his faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. And faith enabled Enoch to be taken instead of dying. And no one could find him because God had taken him. And scripture states that before Enoch was taken, God was pleased with him. And no one can please God without faith. Whoever goes to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And verse 7 says, Faith led Noah to listen when God warned him about the things in the future that he could not see. He obeyed God and built a ship to save his family. And through faith, Noah condemned the world and received God's approval that comes through faith. It's amazing how Noah, I think, is so relevant for us today. If you just stop and think about this incredible story that took place, this presentation that we find here early on in the Bible. And you know in Genesis chapter 6, we see this starting that God asked Noah to build this ark, and this is not a canoe. Uh, this is no uh, like barge that we're putting together, but look at this thing. It's enormous. I don't know. Anybody here been to the Ark Encounter? That is uh, an un unbelievable like ship. And just picture yourself building a ship like this without Milwaukee tools or Ryobi hanging around. There's no Home Depot or Menards. And, you know, putting this thing together, one and a half football fields and as high as a four-story house. And the ark was exactly six times longer than it was wide. Now, last week in uh, the traditional services, I shared several lessons here that we can take some characteristics and traits that we can kind of take and understand from the life of Noah. And one of the characteristics we see that's found in Genesis 6 is that uh, God used Noah because he was all in. Noah was all in. And we see that in verse 22 there in Genesis chapter 6. Noah did everything just as God commanded. Every single thing that God was throwing out to him, he was all in. And Noah complied. And he was great because he, he really followed God completely. 
And he didn't do things on his own timetable. He didn't do things on how he wanted to uh, or when he felt like it, but he followed God completely. A second trait that we learn as we study here Genesis chapter 6 is we find out that God uses people who dare to be different. An incredible verse down in verse 9, it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Here's a guy that was accountable unto God. And he walked with the Lord. He had such deep convictions. And he dared to be different. He was not afraid to stand firm. He was not afraid to stand up, not terrified to stand alone. But he was accountable unto God. And another characteristic is that Noah was simply available. He was available. Notice it says in verse 8, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know, the fact is, out of the entire population, God could only find one person that would be available to him. Now, some archaeologists and others have suggested that perhaps in this time frame there could have been a million inhabitants upon the planet. And so Noah was one in a million. One in a million that God used. And you know what? Your attitude is really more important than your, uh, you know, than just your abilities. I mean, uh, it really, your, your attitude is so important, even more so than your aptitude. Isn't it true that we use our aptitude all of the time to keep us from doing things? Oh, I couldn't possibly do that. I don't have the skill set to do that. I don't have the time to do that. I just don't know if I feel like doing that, uh, that I, I don't feel that I have the know-how. But we use that kind of phrasing all the time. But here we find Noah was exceedingly available unto the Lord. Simply being available. I shared also last week the story of Anthony Coppolo, who was invited one time to do a presentation at a college there in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And he shows up there that day a little early, and the people there that were putting this on brought him to the back room. They exchanged pleasantries, and they said, Anthony, professor, he was a professor of sociology. He said, we want to pray for you before you do your presentation. And so they all gathered this select few people in the back room, and they started praying. And one of the fellows there kind of went off the cuff, and he started praying a little unusual there. And he said, and Lord, as we're praying here today, I'm praying for Bert Harris. Bert Harris lives down the street in that trailer, and he's about to leave his family. And God, if you could just get through to Bert Harris... He's got a wonderful family, and he's about to leave. Well, Anthony, you know, thought this was interesting as the guy's praying, and so the guy gets, you know, back to praying for Anthony, and they end the prayer. Well, Anthony goes out, and he does his presentation, and he uh, signs a few autographs and hands over a few books, all that kind of thing, and uh, then he, you know, basically uh, uh, gets in his car and decides to drive out of town. And he's driving out of town here, and suddenly he finds this hitchhiker. And he pulls over, and the guy gets in the car, and he said, you know, I normally don't pick up hitchhikers, but I really thought I would see if you're going in my direction, and I'm happy to take you along. And the guy said, yes, I'm headed down this direction, and it was toward uh, Anthony's home. And so as they're driving out of town, he says, by the way, what's your name? And the guy says, Bert Harris. And immediately... He put on the brakes, and he flipped around, and he started to head back into town. And Bert Harris says, well, what are you doing? 
And he said, I'm taking you back to your wife and family. And the guy goes white as a sheet. He just, he just becomes speechless. And uh, the, Anthony just keeps driving the car. He drives it back to the trailer. And the guy says, how do you know where I lived? And he said, God told me. And in a way, he really had. And a true story took the man inside. The family was put back together. The marriage was restored. And you're saying, well, how come God doesn't use me like that? And Anthony would say, God will use you like that if you make yourself available. He'll wear you out. And I just wonder today, are you really available unto the Lord? Are you all in? Are you accountable unto God? Noah walked with God daily. Noah was walking with the Lord. But there's another trait that I want us to dwell on here today that we didn't get to last week that I want to lift up for you. And that is that God uses people who never abandon hope. God uses people who never abandon hope. People who are all in and available and accountable unto the Lord and they're going to be patient with God. We see this repeatedly in the scriptures as we're talking about home run life. We're seeing this over and over and over again, the people that wait upon the Lord. How about this guy known as Moses? He waited 80 years, 80 years to see the children of Israel led there out of bondage. That's a long time. That's a, that's a lot of hardship. We think of people like Abraham who waited 25 years for a child. We think of people like Joseph and Daniel. Or how about the invalid who was there at the Pool of Bethesda? 38 years. Think of the back pain that people have. Think of the other kinds of circumstances and every day getting up and you can't hardly get out of bed. And this guy was taken there. He's by the Pool of Bethesda. And 38 years he waited but Noah here is a person that took 120 years to build the ark. And it says that God delayed the flood for a period of time, that he wouldn't always strive with all this wickedness, all this injustice, all this terrible anger and uh, rage and immorality and violence, people killing one another and harming one another. And there would be a limit to that. And the Bible says after the decision was made to destroy the world by a flood, God waited for 120 years. That delay was so Noah could build the ark. And there was this delay, and God was waiting on Noah to get the ark finished. I want to ask you, do you think you could really maintain that kind of enthusiasm for 120 years? Do you think you could maintain that kind of excitement day in and day out to keep up the motivation. Can you imagine Mrs. Noah? Noah comes home from a day's work and he's sitting down beating the sprouts or whatever he's doing, picking out the splinters out of his fingers uh, or whatever he must have been doing. And Mrs. Noah said, how was your day, dear? And it was the use, the same place, the same daggone thing. It was boring. I bet this guy was just going nuts over this thing. Day in and day out, I'm sure he just, just give me my gold watch already so I can, you know, get this to somebody else. But there he is, this example of persistence, day in and day out, building, nailing, tar papering, whatever it was, for 120 years. We can't stand it for 20 minutes or 20 days. But this goes on for 120 years, and I've done my share. Now, what are some of the reasons, ponder with me for a moment, 
that really cause us to give in today. One of the things that, if you think about what must have happened here in this story, was all the problems Noah faced. Think of the problems that he must have encountered. Problems will tempt you to give up on God's plan for your life. Every good idea has something wrong with it. Have you ever made one of those, uh, those lists where it's the pros and the cons? you got a big decision to make. And, you know, I can sometimes get to making all these lists of pros. This would be a great idea. And then you stop and think about it, and, well, here's a con, and here's another one, and here's another one. You know, there's always... With every possibility, there's always a potential problem. But that's how you grow. That's how you mature. That's how you really develop as a disciple, as you see the adversity, as you see those problems, and God leads you through them. There were an infinite number of problems that Noah, if you stop and think about it, must have had to endure. I mean, first of all, just imagine the separation of animals. You can't put the birds by the worms, folks. Or, or, or the bobcats by the rabbits. There must have been this strategy of trying to figure out this. And, you know, you don't have Microsoft Works or you don't have all this kind of thing to kind of figure all that out. How about the food problem? Can you imagine feeding all these animals? Not everybody likes hay, I can tell you. And then probably the biggest problem of all would have been the sanitation. Can you imagine being in an animal pen like this for 40 days? I mean, the stench would have been unimaginable. And yet he persisted. I mean, the only alternative here was to get out of the boat and you're going to drown. There was problems like this that I'm sure weighed on his mind and he wanted to give up. You know, it was back in 1986 that the local TV affiliate came running down the hall and into the physics lab where I was, and they put a camera in the professor's face and all the students. Have you ever seen anything like this? You know that silly question they often ask. And I'm like, no, I've never seen the space shuttle uh, explode 73 seconds after launch. And they were wanting all these, you know, reactions to this horrifying uh, you know, thing that had just happened on, on TV. And, um, you know, we found out the space shuttle program, as you know, it was uh, uh, stopped and halted for several weeks. And the culprit, these two tiny rubber O-rings, about three-tenths of an inch, that really contributed to this accident, they said. But isn't it true that it's the tiny little problems in life that really come back to, to bite us? It's the little problems in life that really get us. It, it's the tiny viruses the size of a pinhead. It's the heart valve that's no larger than your thumbnail. It's a single vote in an election. It's one ill-chosen word that severs the relationship in your family or in your friends. Just one little episode. Isn't it true it's the little problems oftentimes that kind of collect on the barnacle of our ship of life that have a way of weighing us down? But you know what? Even with all these incredible problems, Noah here, he never abandoned ship. He never gave up on God. A second thing is pressures. Think of the pressure this guy must have been under. 
think of the people making fun of him. You know, you're going down to Aldi's or over to Myers to pick up your lunch meat or whatever. And people are talking behind your back and hurling insults. Hey, you crazy loon, you're out here. Think of the, his kids in school and everything that this guy must have gone through. I'm sure he thought, this is just too big for me. Uh, it's too much responsibility. I can't face this one more day. The pressures in life, it will so tempt you to throw in the towel, but not Noah. Noah, he must have certainly had those kinds of feelings, but he remained stalwart and strong. And you know, the Lord says, those who endure till the end will be saved. The pressure there must have been enormous, but it did not force him to give up. You know, there's an interesting work that's been done here a few years ago. And uh, the sports world, you know, a team that's ahead at halftime, more often than not, goes ahead to defeat their opponent. But they researched all these games, like tens of thousands of games, over 10 to 15 years. They looked at NBA games. They looked at NCAA games. And they found out that's pretty much true, except there is this one time when that rule doesn't hold. Teams behind just one point were really more likely to win than a team that was ahead by one point. And the home team won with one point deficit at halftime more than 60% of the time. It, it was the little pressure that was put on uh, that really propelled them. And so they said trailing by one point at halftime, weirdly enough, was the equivalent to being two points ahead. Think about the pressure that Noah must have faced. But then last, let me say to you, the people. You know, people, folks, will tempt you to give up. People will entice you. People will criticize. People will disappoint, will misunderstand you, will let you down. And God used Noah here because he was a person of commitment. And he never, ever gave up. Every day, Noah preached a sermon, and it wasn't behind a podium. It wasn't standing up with a microphone. But it was the greatest sermon that you could preach, and it was with his life. He preached it every day. As he went down, he pounded the nails, he built the boards, put everything in the shape, and he was saying, I believe in God. And he showed people and lived it out daily. And that's why he stood out and found himself here in Hebrews chapter 11. Because he did it for 120 years. Let me ask you today, what has God done in your life lately? And I'm not talking about before the pandemic. I'm not talking about a couple years ago. I'm talking about yesterday. What has God been doing in your life yesterday or last week? When was the last time you had an answer to prayer? When was the last time God used you in an exciting way? Most of them, of course, are not as dramatic as this professor of sociology, Anthony Capolo. But God will use you if you'll make yourself available. God will use you if you don't abandon hope and get off the boat. God will use you if you entrust your life completely to him. And you say, Lord come into my life. I know it's a real challenge today in this cultural jungle in which we find ourselves. Anybody ever been to the jungle? 
You know, when I was at Asbury, there was a, um, a lot of talk and a lot of stories shared about uh, E. Stanley Jones. E. Stanley Jones was a great missionary, a great theologian, a great person of God, and he told the story about a friend of his who was down in uh, the Amazon, or I forget exactly where it was, but he was down in the jungle. And uh, he, he said he got in this location, he was dropped off, and he couldn't figure out how to get out. And he started walking, and he said, there's not paths out here. There's vegetation, there's limbs, there's leaves, and there's really no, you can't get a sense of direction other than perhaps the sun sticking out. So he starts walking, he happens along this native hut, this village, and he says to one of the, the guides there, he said, you know, can you lead me out of here? And the guy says, sure, I can, I can lead you out. And so there they go. And he's, he's uh, following this guy. And this goes on for like two hours as they're going through all the brush and everything. And he's not seeing any kind of path, occasionally a little clearing. And, uh, you know, after a couple hours, he says to the guy, he says, are you sure this is the way? Where's the path? And the native says, well, in this place, there is no path. He says, I'm the path. And, you know, in this life, there's all kinds of vegetation. There's all kinds of things that can just mar the way, and you can't tell which way to go, what to do, which way to turn, and you need to set your compass, your heart to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And you need to follow the Lord, and he will carve the path and show you the way home. So today I want to extend to you an invitation and a challenge. The invitation is this. Friends, if you don't know Jesus Christ, today is the day. You need to get right with God today. And you know, this is a time where you can say yes to God. You can say, Lord, I've made a mess in my life. Lord, I haven't been perfect. Lord, I've, I, I just don't know what to do, but I'm, I'm making myself available to you and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. But the challenge that I want to say to you today is this, is where is your obedience refusing to go? God is asking you to get in the lineup and to come to the plate. And you may not have to hit a home run. You may just have to hit a single. Or you may lay down a sacrifice fly ball or just walk to first base. But where is your obedience? Where is, is it really refusing to go. Sorry, God, but that's just too messy. Sorry, God, but that's too costly. I just, I don't have the time for that. I, I don't have the abilities. Let me ask you today, let me challenge you. Let God lead your life. Shall we pray together? Holy God, we thank you so very much for the opportunity to know you and to have you as our guide and lead throughout this this challenging life Lord our world needs you our friends, our neighbors our kids, our teachers our families Lord we're calling out to you today we're praying for those who are troubled hearts here this morning pray for those Lord who have refused to follow you and we just ask God that call, that invitation would go out one more time that challenge to stand up to the plate and to be faithful and to be obedient and that, Lord, you would just shower them with forgiveness as they call upon you today. Bless us, God, we ask. 
come along each side, every person today. Give to them your love and strength for the journey of walking with you in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.